To the broken hearted, he's one who is not far, but he is there with us all the time. Old song say he was there all the time. He was there all the time, waiting patiently in line. He was there all the time. Y'all can tell I'm a little Baptist, so let me go ahead and get this out of the way. Uh, I want to thank your your fearless leader. Can we give a round of applause for your fear, fearless leader? We, I, I would mess around if we were on the phone. I would say the Reverend Doctor, Derek Parks. Uh, but he is truly a friend of mine, a big brother um, in uh, this walk of faith. And so I am grateful for the opportunity to come, um, even though this is a this can be a sad time um, or a worrisome time. Uh, we know that God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all we ask or think. And so I believe and have been praying uh, for your uh, lady here, Lady Parks, um, that the Lord will restore her um, in uh, miraculous ways, that we would all see it and we will all give glory to God. Uh, y'all believe that? Well, y'all, y'all got to talk back to the little black preacher, so I need a little bit of help, okay? My wife is here with me. Uh, we we new to this whole travel preaching thing, so um, I have to acknowledge her. Um, so she's here. Can you wave at the people? I do have to say this. She, um, she had four wisdom teeth taken out on Friday, so... Um, face a little little puffy, but if she give you one of these, honey, she's not being mean. She's not one of them them type people. It's just that she can't talk. So just be nice to her, you know. Just say hi. Don't talk about her about her behind her back. Just just be nice. Just be nice. All right. Well, it's time for the word. So let's let's go ahead and can you stand? Can you stand? Meet me in Acts chapter four. Acts chapter four. Verses 5 to 22. I'm going to do something a little bit different with, I know I did something earlier, different with the, the church in general, because y'all don't usually read, y'all let the pastor read or preacher read. Um, I let them read the whole thing this morning. I'm not going to let y'all do that. I'm not going to leave y'all high and dry that way. But this is what we're going to do. You are going to read the odd numbers, and I'm going to read the even numbers. All right? Okay? All right. So we starting at verse 5. We're going to make our way all the way down to verse 22, Acts chapter 4, verse 5 to 22. On three. Ready? One, two, three, read. With Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and all the members of the high priestly family. Then Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit and said to them, rulers of the people and elders, oh, I'm sorry, rulers of the peoples and elders, sorry. Let it be known to all of you and all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified and whom God raised from the dead. By him, this man 
is standing here before you healthy. There is salvation in no other, in no one else, uh, for there is no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. And since they saw the man who had been healed, standing with them, they had nothing to say in opposition. Saying, what should we do with these men? For an obvious sign has been done through them. Clear to everyone living in Jerusalem, and we can't deny it. So they called for them and ordered them to not speak or teach in this name, Jesus. For we are unable to stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. For this sign of healing had been done and had been performed on a man over 40 years old. If I could tag this text uh, for us uh, this still, oh, this afternoon, I would like to tag it. Tell the truth with boldness. Tell the truth with boldness. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, tell the truth. That neighbor didn't like you. Turn to the other neighbor. Say, neighbor. Say it with your chest. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you for the opportunity to come boldly to your throne of grace. Lord, I ask now that you would give this your servant, weak and frail, preaching power. I don't want to be just a mere motivational speaker, but I want to be used by the one who indeed raises from the dead and saves the world. So now, Lord, I pray that the meditations of my heart will be acceptable in your sight. O oh God, our Lord, who is indeed the Christ. Speak now through your servant. Give me clarity of mind, clarity of speech, conviction of heart to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Because we understand that the truth indeed sets us free. We love him. We thank you. It's in Jesus' precious name. And every glad heart said, Amen. You may be seated. Tell the truth with boldness. I, I, I understand the world we live in now and... I understand what I'm about to say now or next is 
something that we don't experience anymore. But watching or growing up watching TV, uh, movies, or even in real life, uh, people who uh, would be given a platform or um, who had something to offer to an audience would suffer something called stage fright. Y'all know what that is, right? They would get up there and stand on stage and the lights would hit them. That microphone would be in front of them or it would just be an empty stage and they will be getting ready to dance. And as the lights came on, they would freeze. Everything that they prepared for, all the long hours of rehearsal and practice goes out of the window because of this thing called stage fright. All the reciting or all the rehearsing, uh, going over things time and time again, the blood, sweat, and tears that is poured out in these things, the long essays that are written, all fly out the window because of stage fright. I believe that the church, in some way, has become very fearful to tell the truth. I believe that we've been equipped with spiritual armor, that we've heard great sermons and teachings, and we've left inspired. But when it comes time to speak up, to tell the world the truth, we fold. Sometimes because we are trying to function within our own strength or we don't take advantage of our armor we've been given. But but I pray today that we would learn from those who have come before us, who have stood in front of those who uh, who tried to oppress them and tried to quiet them to learn how to speak with boldness. Now, this is a lot of background, but I'm going to get through it. I think it'll help explain our text today. Acts chapter 1, we see Jesus preparing the disciples right before he ascends into heaven. He tells them, I, you know, I've been with y'all. I've done what I, what I needed to do. I, I went to the cross and, and I, 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 I bled and I, I even, quote unquote, died uh, for you. I was dead for three days indeed, and I was buried in somebody else's tomb. I, I did indeed raise from the dead with all power in my hand. This is something that I indeed did do. And so now it's time for me to go home. I, I gotta I gotta leave y'all. Y'all y'all been far too kind. Some of y'all. Some of y'all betrayed me. Some of y'all cussed me. But I've done what I needed to do. But he says, I'm not going to leave y'all alone because y'all y'all still crazy. So I'm I'm I want you to be prepared because when I when I leave, I'm I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He's going to come down and he's going he's going to dwell within you. And y'all y'all are going to be all right. You're going to keep going and preaching the gospel as as he's saying this, he's beginning to ascend into heaven. They're amazed because they are 
hearing great words from uh, the prophet, priest, and king, and he is ascending into heaven, and they are amazed by what is happening. As he's going up, they turn around and say, oh, wait, I got a, I got a question for you, Jesus. Um, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Jesus says, y'all worried about the wrong thing. I just told you that I'm I'm going to give you my spirit. I'm going to give you something more important than restoring Israel. He says, don't worry about that. Y'all just be ready to receive the Holy Spirit so that you all could be my witnesses. Goes into heaven, disappears, and they say, you know what? We got to go pray. They all go, all 120 of them go to the upper room and they begin to pray. As they're praying, Peter stands up and says, hey, you know what? Uh, the, the, the scriptures must be fulfilled. And so, y'all know, that dude Judas, he betrayed my Savior. He ain't here no more, so we got to fill his spot. They pray about it, because they're good Christian men. They don't want to just put anybody in the spot. They pray about it, and they select my man Matt. That becomes a part of the 11, and, and now they can continue on in what God has told them to do. We keep going, and we see in chapter 2, it comes time for them to be baptized with the Spirit. Say, so don't worry about water no more. I, I'm going to give you my Spirit. It says that all 120 of them are filled with the Holy Spirit. It's just like revival, right? Y'all know how revivals used to go very long. But they've eventually ended. But they were they were fire filled revivals, right? Right? It says that, that they all started to speak in tongues. And that's not just the own the it's only amazing part about it, but it, it says that the hundred and twenty were speaking in tongues, but there was another crowd that came around them and they understood what the hundred and twenty were saying. So my man Peter, understanding that some things just need to be explained. He stands up and he says, you know what? I know y'all think these people drunk, but it's only three o'clock. They're not drunk. This indeed is the Holy Spirit. God is moving through them so that you understand. So he stands up there. He's still preaching. He says, you know what? It comes time. Because God has been moving so much in this time, I need y'all to repent and come to Jesus. The Bible says 3,000 were saved. Wouldn't it be amazing if you've seen in Wilmington, Delaware, 3,000 people come to Jesus Christ. Y'all not excited about that. That's, that's why I thought y'all planning here. You wanted to see people come to Christ. We keep going. After we see 3,000 people come to Jesus Christ, it says in chapter 3, John Peter and John go to the temple and they begin to pray. Once again, they understand that they, they need to talk to the Father. They, they need to make sure they are right, in right standing with him. And as they are going into the temple, they say, see, they see a lame man who is being brought to the gate every day. It says, as they were walking by, the man began to ask for some change. Peter and John look at him and they say, 
I don't have silver or gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In Jesus Christ's name, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. They grab him and lift him up. And the Bible says that his feet and his ankles became strong. So watch what he does. It says he jumps up and starts to walk. Where is he going? It says he enters into the temple just like a broken person. When you see God move in your life, first thing you should do is run and give thanks to God for what he has done. It says he runs into the temple screaming and leaping and praising God. And it says all the people saw him walking and praising God and they recognized that he was the one who used to be sitting at the gate begging for money. Your boy Peter does what he does best. He says, I got to make it known. One more time for y'all. Y'all might think that this is some type of power that we got. We're some type of magician or something. He says, no, this right here, once again, is God moving in us and using us to point people Jesus Christ, he, he, he still goes on and on. Peter's about to hoop. They got the organ out and they about to go to church. It says that the temple police bust through the doors, grab him and John, take them to jail. It says that they couldn't even get a court date the same day because it was late in the day. And so this leads us to where we are today in our text of Acts chapter 4, verse 5. Look what it says. It says, the next day their rulers and elders and scribes assembled in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest and Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and all the members of the high priestly family. Peter and John are standing there in front of 71 men, according to Numbers chapter 11, verse 16. Now, I don't know about y'all, but it, it's, it, it's hot when I'm standing in front of y'all. And y'all just look at me and stare at me. But these men, and I'm not in, I'm not in no trouble. I know, I know Pastor Parks, he's he, he good people, so he ain't going to send y'all to, to come get me. But you got to understand, P- Peter and John aren't in the same boat that I'm in. I can freely come up here and, and preach the gospel. But, but these men, actually, there are some people out to try to stop them from telling the truth. They're in the hot seat. Not only that, but it says that Annas, the high priest, if you do some background research, you'll understand that Annas hadn't been the high priest in quite some time. Actually, his son-in-law, Caiaphas, who is also listed in verse 6, is the high priest. Y'all don't get it just yet. Caiaphas is the high priest of the time. But Annas makes his way in and says, young blood, son-in-law, I got respect for you. But I, I think I need to take this one. Because we want to get these people to shut their mouths. 
So he stands up there and he says, I'm going to lead this one because I'm going to show you, young blood, how things are supposed to work. It's interesting because this leads me and and we look at the next part of this text in in verse 7. It says, after they were standing there, they began to ask questions. High priest says, hey, by, by what name or what power do you do this in? And it says, verse 8, Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. This leads me to my very first point. It, 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 it's this. If we're, gonna, if we're gonna tell the truth with boldness, we must operate in truth. We, we must operate in truth. Watch this. Peter is left to make a choice whether uh, to let uh, these people of power know the truth or totally ignore the truth. Y'all remember King Nebuchadnezzar, he, he, he failed to acknowledge who was in control the whole time. And so uh, your boy Peter can be like King Neb and say, you know, we've done all these miracles in our own power. Or he can echo the words of Jesus in John chapter 15, verse 5, that says, apart from Christ, you can do nothing. Peter is left to make a choice to submit to the Holy Spirit or to quench the Holy Spirit. I believe Peter remembers the words of Jesus in Luke chapter 21, verse 14 and 15. It says this, therefore, make up your mind not to prepare a defense ahead of time, for I will give you such words and wisdoms that 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 none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. Peter realizes that it is not in his own power. Or his own strength that these miracles were happening, but he understood that he had to tap into a power that was much higher and holier than the men he stood in front of. Question for us today is how many times in our lives have we done these things with the help of God, the help of our Lord, and yet ignored him in the rewarding part? Or for some of us. We just ignore him altogether and do things on our own. For the few amens and the ahs that I got, it's all right. Because I'm in this boat where God time and time again does miraculous things in my life. And yet I ignore the fact that he's been moving all the time. I I, I have a, a very real idea of this. I, I, I was preparing this sermon, this very sermon, and I, I was sitting there and I it, it just it was taking me a very long time. Very long time to get this. And I said, you know what, Lord? I can't. This ain't me. I, I, I'm not called to do this. I, I'm I just I'll do something else. I'll go back to electrical engineering, like to do electrical engineering. I'll do anything. I'll just I'll do music for for the rest of my life. I'll Whatever it is, I just, I can't do this. And, and as I was thinking like this, there, there was a, a, a conversation that I remember. I, I, was, I was talking to a friend of mine, and I said, you know, uh, man, preaching behind these heavy hitters, you know, these epiphany churches, just, they just breed preachers. Like, they can just flat out preach. And I said, man, I don't know if I can, I can do this. I, I'm, I'm not equipped to do it. I, you know, I ain't got no degree. I'm trying to get back into school. Things are just taking a lot longer than I thought. 
And he said, man, just let the Lord use you. And I said, you know what? That's, that's a good one. But in that moment, I said, that didn't, that didn't solve the problem. Uh, I'm, I'm still in the funk of I, I, I can't do this. And so I'm so glad that I married up. And so my, my wife heard, she said, you know, she, she heard me complaining. And she said, you, you remind me of Moses in, in Exodus chapter, chapter 3, verse, verse 10. And, and I looked it up, and she said, um, this is when God uh, called Moses to lead his people. Uh, he, 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 this is what Moses says in verse, in verse 10. It says, please, Lord, I have never been eloquent, either in the past or, or recently, or, or since you have been speaking to your servant. Because my mouth and my tongue are sluggish. But aren't you glad, even though we say some foolish things, God doesn't respond to us like that? He, it says this in, in verse 11. It says, um, who, who makes the person mute? Who, who places the mouth on the human? Who, who makes them mute or deaf, seeing or blind? Is it not the Lord? I like verse 12 because this is when it really convicted me. It says, now go and I will help you. I will speak through you. I will teach you what to say. The Lord is not is not waiting for you to make it or for you to be perfect. That's not what he's asking for. All he's asking for is for you to be willing to be used. This is what this text is telling us that. We we can't function on our own strength, but it is the power of God that helps us indeed to spread. He is saying, be willing to be used. Now, for some of us who are a little immature, I don't know if this is anybody in here, might be somebody on the podcast, you might walk away and say, well, I ain't got to do nothing. I'll just wait. For the Lord to come and use me. And I would say you help me preach. Because this leads me to my next point. But let's go back just one more time. It says in in this idea of telling the truth with boldness. We got to one operate in truth. But two we have to sit with truth. We have to operate in truth. And we have to sit with truth. I love how smooth Peter is. He's he been standing up boldly before these people and telling them the truth. But watch this. It says uh, uh, Peter is still operating in the spirit, but he's bold enough to stand in front of these men of power and look beyond his personal circumstance and look at the need of the people he's standing in front of. How do I know this? He says this, rulers of the people and elders If we are being examined today about the good deed done to this done to this disabled man by what means he was healed, let it be known to all of you and all the people of Israel by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified and whom God raised from the dead by him, this man is standing here before you healthy. Y'all, y'all missed it. Don't, don't, don't let us get by you. If Peter does not have these words tattooed on his heart, and if he does not soak in the word of God, the Holy Spirit cannot bring anything out of him. 
it shows that Peter has actually been in his word. Because if there is nothing in you, then nothing can come out of you. I would even say this. That if you don't put anything in you, the Bible says that the heart is deceitfully wicked. And so what will come out of you is wickedness. But the thing that you fight wickedness with is the word of God. Y'all still taking y'all time with the amen. So I, I, I don't mind it. I, I remember taking tests in, in high school. And I hate tests. I mean, if I could put hate up there, there would be in all caps, hate, taking tests. So I came up with the bright idea. Notice I said bright idea. To write notes and hints on my hand. I'm by myself. Okay. Y'all, y'all the smart crowd. Okay. No, nobody had to cheat. Amen. I, 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 I don't have massive hands. Some, some of y'all have the gifting of massive hand, the massivity, as, as Dr. Mason would say. The massivity. Uh, but the massive hand, I don't have that. And then also you understand that everybody's hand has creases in it, right? So I, I, I was sitting there, and, and I would take, I would look at the book, and then I would just try to give myself a hint, right? Look, hint, look, hint. So after a while, I would look, and, like, because there's a dent, I would, couldn't really tell what it was. So I, I just, I, I was like, okay, we're just going to make it work. So the test day came, and, and I I was sitting there, and I was looking at the test, and I was looking at my hand. The test and my hand. The test and my hand. And what was on my hand didn't make sense with the test. It, it, it looked, I, I thought I had things that would remind me of what the, the answer would be on the test, but I didn't. And so as I was looking at it, I realized that I'm not going to pass this test. Because I had just picked from the book rather than sitting with my book. Some of us are trying to survive off of hints rather than surviving off reading the book. I, 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 I'm not mad at your devotional time. I think it's great. I, I like reading New Morning Mercies by Paul Tripp. I love it. But if I'm trying to fight the enemy, my flesh, I'm going to need more than just inspiration. I'm going to need some weapon, weaponry to, to actually fight what, what the Bible says is flesh and what the Bible says is evilness and what the Bible said, if I don't take in the word of God and if I don't have it in my soul that when trouble comes and the Holy Spirit fills me, he got to have something to use. And so I got to fill myself with the thing that he, he can remind me about so that when I'm in my situation, he can say, be not weary in well doing. Or when death comes, 
Oh, I have my fair share of death. When it comes, you feel alone. But if you got the Holy Spirit in you, he can bring to your remembrance, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He can bring to you that he comforts those who are in any type of affliction. He brings to your remembrance the things that you have been feasting upon. Here is my challenge for the church. Start filling up on the truth of the word of God. Let's stop waiting for the pastor to bring us a word. What I found out is most pastors, after they preach a word, they usually hear a saying, oh, that, that was such a great word. But most pastors, if they really are about your change, they, they will ignore that because a good word doesn't change lives. They want to see transformation happen. Stop waiting for your men's ministry and your women's ministry to start a Bible study for you to get in your Bible. Gone are the days where we continue to wait on others for us to take our Christianity seriously. The world that we live in has many religions and offers sunshine and butterflies. But what they need is the truth of the gospel. Let's keep moving. After Peter declares that salvation is only found in Jesus Christ, the rulers observe something. They say, look at this boldness of Peter and John. They realize that they are uneducated, untrained men. They were amazed and recognized that they had been with Jesus. They weren't just around him or heard about him. They were with. Jesus, I'm moving. Remember, the first point is to operate in truth. Us operating in truth is understanding that the Holy Spirit is the one that empowers us. We cannot do this on our own. But two, that we have to sit with the truth. We need to stop cheating ourselves and really get into the word of God. But lastly, we must know that the truth sets free. I'm going to move through this swiftly as I can. Verse 14, and since they saw the man who had been healed standing with them, they had nothing to say in opposition. Notice what it says. They have nothing to say in opposition. After they ordered them to leave the Sanhedrin, they conferred amongst themselves. Notice they had to get them out the room before they admit what they're about to say. Verse 16, what should we do with these men? For an obvious sign has been done to them, clear to everyone living in Jerusalem, and we can't deny it. And we can't deny it. Verse 17, but so that this doesn't spread any further among the people, let, let's threaten them against speaking to anyone in this name again. 
So they called for them and ordered them to not speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. I like how one commentary explains the leaders. It says this. Sadly, the leaders were more motivated by fear and losing power and influence rather than by a desire to glorify God, to be faithful to his word, or to spread the true knowledge of salvation. They were preaching anything, doing rituals and things like that, rather than preaching that there's only salvation through Jesus Christ and Christ alone. In other words, some people won't be able to believe even when the sign is in front of them. But it's our job to plant and to water. Some of us forget the last one. Pray for increase. Continue to plant your seed. Continue to share with those family members that you want to come to Christ. Continue to give them little nuggets for their morning time. But don't you forget to talk to the one who gives the increase. That's the freebie. Let's keep moving. Verse 19. Peter and John answered them. Whether it's right in the sight of God for us to listen to you rather than to God, you decide. For we are unable to stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. Verse 21, after threatening them further, they released them. They found no way to punish them because the people were all giving glory to God over what they had seen and what had been done. For this sign of healing had been performed on a man over 40 years old. We see in this last few verses, Peter and John are left with one more decision. And they stand bold once again to let them know that they cannot be quiet. The apostles understood that they weren't called for folks to feel good. They, they, they weren't called for uh, people to like them and they weren't called uh, to this so that they could get a like on Facebook or a share or a double tap on Instagram. They, 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 they understood that it wasn't about a retweet on Twitter, it wasn't about a follow of somebody with an important name. What they understood is that God needed to be obeyed rather than any other man. Because they stood on the truth of the gospel, they have been set free. Being set free is shown in more than one way in this text. It's shown, yes, by Peter and John standing on the truth of the word. But it's also shown by the man who was sitting at the gate. He was set free in not just his physical state but in his spiritual state. Why why bring him up? Why is he important in this idea of being set free by telling the truth? It's because you and I were that lame man. We, we, We were begging for things that we thought we needed. And somebody came around and looked beyond what we were asking for and gave us 
the thing that would change our life forever. Why do I bring this up? It's because the fact that you've been giving this, the fact that you've been given the truth of the gospel, the fact that God has changed you shows that you need to take what you have been given and give it to somebody else. I close with this. There was a man, older gentleman, who was having health problems. He finally decided to go to the hospital, talk to his doctor. The doctor said, hey, brother, you, uh, you got to change how you eat. How you eat these porterhouse steaks every night is clogging everything in your body. These cheap cheeseburgers that you get, double cheeseburger with bacon and lettuce and tomato. This, you think that it's a salad, but it's not, dog. Just because you put lettuce and tomato on it does not make it a salad. Or healthier, I tell you. It says you, you, you got to change so many things. The, the, the sodas that you drink, you, you got to stop doing this. He takes it in and he says, all right, leaves the hospital. He says, you know what, I, I think... I think my sons need to hear about this because my health has been declining for some, from, for some time now, and I, I, need to, I need to let them know. So he calls his son. He says, son, um, hey, my health is declining. I talked to the doctor. He says, I need to do this, that, and the third. He gave me some healthier options and foods to eat. And the son said, all right, Dad, well, you know what you got to do. They hang up. Father gets a call from the son about a few weeks later and says, Son says this day, he said, Dad, how, how are things going? Dad says, uh, well, I, uh, I switched doctors. You missed it. This is how some of us deal with the truth. We hear it, but we completely ignore it. And so for those who have heard the truth today, I would say, hold on to the truth. And understand that it's Christ and Christ alone who saves your soul. And for those who always hear the truth and made that profession of faith, it's your time to go and take the truth to those people who need it in this world. Beautiful thing about the book of Acts and the apostles is you see it clear as day that they will go and preach the gospel and thousands of people would come to Christ. Here is our challenge today. To see Wilmington, Delaware changed by the renewing power of Jesus Christ. You have to, one, operate in truth. You must sit with the truth and know that the truth is going to set people free. It is our job as believers to go ye therefore and preach the gospel. And so I charge you today to do the great commission that God has called us to do. Preach the word with boldness. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you. You are indeed a God who does not leave us alone. But you are there every step of the way. And when we get confused or when we get lost in what our purpose is, in life, 
I pray that you would nudge us to remind us that there is still a work that needs to be done in the quarters in which where we live. That there is still a mission for people to come to Jesus Christ and to know you as Lord and Savior. Lord, I pray that we would take this and we wouldn't just put it on our walls as a great plaque. And we wouldn't put it in our pockets as a souvenir or our purse as a safe keep, but that we would take the good news that we have been given, the fact that we were once far off but have been brought near, that we would take this and we would run with endurance so that when it's all said and done, you will say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. And that people would be changed because we preach Christ and him crucified. Help us, Lord, to always remember why we have been saved. So that we can take our story and share it with the world. Tell them about a man who hung, bled, and died just for us buried on, and on the third day rose with all power in his hand. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' precious name I pray. And every glad heart said, amen.